Hey everyone, this is Pater Radio. My name is Chris McLean, and my co-host here with me again is Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. So uh, this is Hater Radio. We're a college football brand, media brand. Um, we do uh, live video. Even though this is technically recorded, it'll be shown live on uh, YouTube and on Facebook and Twitter live. So you'll see it there at five o'clock, which uh, five o'clock Pacific and uh, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, which is every Sunday and Wednesday. That is our uh, when we show it. So like it's on the banner there up above, it's, it shows it there. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. We have other articles on haterradio.com and other stuff we do on, we're on TikTok, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram threads. Um, most of those you can find us at at hater underscore radio for most of those, except for YouTube and Facebook, which YouTube is um, at hater at hater radio. And then for uh, um, Facebook, it is hater radio CFB. So that is ours. But then Ian, what are your socials real quick before we move on? Yeah. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, they'll be at uh, G Gator G. Okay, cool. That's how you can reach us. Again, plenty of articles on haterradio.com. We'll have some more coming up. We didn't have one this weekend. I was going to do one, but uh, my schedule was a little too tight, so I wasn't able to do it. But with that being said, let's jump into it. Week five, a lot of really good games, some really close finishes. Uh, one of the games that wasn't a close finish was this uh, Florida-Kentucky game, which was you know, from like Jump Street, it was just, it was 16 nothing within like the first 10 minutes of the game. And um, Florida didn't look prepared. Uh, I, I honestly, all I'm going to really say from this, because I know we're going to talk a lot about it, but I'm just going to say is really with this, as fans, as like the team, it's just, this game needs to be thrown out. Like, don't look at this as like anything more than just a terrible game. And there is, really move forward from this point, especially the team. Like the team needs to be just like, you know what? It happened. The team is three and two. You know, they have Vanderbilt coming up and then South Carolina after that. And then the bye week. So they have a chance to, you know, move on from it. And I think they can. It obviously was a terrible game. Uh, you know, Ray Davis went all over them for over 280 yards and just was unstoppable. I mean, no one could tackle. I mean, that was out of the whole thing that I was pissed off about, which I was pissed off a lot, a lot about this game was the the missed tackles. I mean, the team had been doing so well on defense all year, was top 10 in, in uh, total defense, was the number one defense in the SEC, and then just, you know, couldn't stop Ray Davis. Any Anytime he ran through, it was like a 10, 15-yard clip. Sometimes even more. He had that uh, 75 plus run right after that uh, special teams penalty, which honestly, that was the complete difference in the game. You know, it was 10 nothing at that point. Florida finally makes a stop. They uh, force a punt. Florida gets the ball, but then there's a penalty for leaping, which I didn't even know you could have leaping on punt coverage. I had no idea until I that that was called. And, um, you know, it really, the second that it gets called, they get the ball back. 
and Ray Davis runs down the field. And that was it. Like once they were up 16, nothing Florida just stayed in the game a little bit. It was a two score game at one point, but that was just, they weren't coming back. You know, I will say as much as the offense struggled uh, and a lot of it, they, they had a lot of opportunities where if they just catch the damn ball, you know, maybe they can convert first downs and do something with it, but it was just, no one was helping out Mertz, you know, uh, penalties again i think they had 10 penalties again just just ugly game you know like i said burn the tape just that's what you do and regroup you know this ain't the end of the year there's plenty of games to play um and i i i have full faith that they're not going to give up you know they weren't going to win a championship this year you know that most at most people thought the ceiling was like 8 and 4 and that's still within re- the realm of possibilities so I don't like these other teams on the schedule. Like they're not that like world beaters. You know, Georgia didn't look that great. LSU didn't look that great. I still don't think FSU looks like that that great. Uh, Arkansas obviously struggled. They're now at three losses. You know, LSU is at two losses. I mean, Missouri is about the only one really that may scare you, but they haven't really played anybody. South Carolina is at three losses. Vanderbilt is terrible. So there's plenty of wins to be had in the rest of the schedule. It just obviously sucks to get your head beat in like they did here. But Ian, go ahead. I've been talking too much. Yeah, I I was just frustrated because this is what it has been like. Is that and I've I've said this. This is the one problem I've seen with the Gators under Napier. I always feel like once there's a good win or they look good, something's right around the corner. And yeah. this was it. It was you could have argued the Charlotte game might have been the canary in the cake, but I'm gonna yeah. you know just say that was a bad week. Honestly, I don't think it was. I just think that it was a letdown game. This one they said uh, they had a great week, then da da da, and they just got flat out punched in the mouth. They did not look like they wanted to be there, and yeah. I don't get. Th- I that's what I'm. It was the thing that just boggles my mind with this. Is like how does a team look so great? against, you know, have these really good games against Tennessee, you know, then they, you know, blew out a clearly inferior McNeese State. They showed their muscles there. And then you just have these games. And unfortunately, this has kind of been a growing trend. The other thing, too, is that Florida has only won one road game under Napier, and that was Texas A&M. And when they're on the road, they don't look good. They have not looked good. The only other time they've looked good on the road, I would argue, besides the A&M, would have been – the Florida. Tennessee and Florida State game, but those are still yeah. losses. But yeah. this one, you can't pin this on anything else other than we got beat flat out, out coach, outplayed, out everything. Kentucky is just straight up better than the yeah. Gators right now. It, yeah. There's no two ways of putting it. And I remember I, <laughs> trying. To, some people were trying to talk me down from it because I was clearly kind of in these moments. I vent. Yeah, but they go, you know. Well, if Kentucky's better, then it's fine that they lost. I was like, it doesn't make it really doesn't make it better. I wanted to see some. If they like say if it was like a drag in the mud and Florida was fighting and they got you know they lost by three points, I'm like, you know what? It sucks. I still would have been upset, but this makes me more upset. They didn't want to play. Once they you know got beat, they like they gave up, and that's what it looked like. And on 
that's the thing that makes me the most upset out of everything is that it was really over the first quarter. I literally was watching the game, and after the first quarter, I was like, I don't see the way they're playing right now, them coming back from that. The other thing, too, was, as I've mentioned, Kentucky just flat out said, beat us through the air. And not taking anything away from Graham Mertz. Mertz did, besides the interception, as good as he That wasn't his fault. That ball clearly should have been caught. Like, as much as... As much as uh, it was in between three people, the guy, Boardingham, I don't know why he jumped, for, for one thing. He shouldn't have jumped. He should have stayed on his feet, put up his hands, caught the ball, and tucked it in. That's all that had to be done, and it was a first down. And, like, I know it's like, you know, it's like, oh, it's just one play. But it was an interception that set up uh, an easy touchdown right away. Like, literally, yep. if he gets a first down there, maybe they continue the drive. Maybe not. They punt it. At least it's a little bit more difficult for Kentucky to try to score again there. But I don't know. It's just – it's the details right now that they're not, you know, correcting. You know, it's with the the tackling. God, on that touchdown, um, Davis's touchdown where Kimber – has him, or maybe it's not a touchdown. There was a play where Kimber has Davis at the line and he like, like turns in and like, doesn't even fully commit to the, to the, the, the tackle. And he just completely outruns it. And it's just like, man, stuff like that, like that needs to go away. Like you are the guy, you have to make the play there. And you know, you can't just, you know, you can't turtle there. You have to step up and, God, I mean, there were just so many plays that they were just getting, you know, worked. I know a lot of was Davis himself was making them look bad. And, you know, I I will say, I think now, because I think Davis had eight touchdowns up until this game, and I think he had at least three. So, like, now he had four total. So, he has – he had four in that game? Yeah. Yeah, so now he has 12 touchdowns in five games that is insane for um a running back um you know i know they like kind of said it that it's setting him up for the heisman i don't think so it would take a real heavy lift by kentucky to get him to that point but still like 12 touchdowns so far in the season is a shit ton for anybody regardless of the competition and he had four against uh up until this point, a good Florida defense. I think going forward, what they need is maybe they needed this defensive wise because they were hearing their own press clippings. They're like, oh, you know, you're the number top 10 defense in the in the country. You're getting all this. You're getting all these accolades. Maybe they needed a reality check because, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's a shame because I thought the defense was going to be able to carry them the rest of the way. Maybe they won't be able to. Maybe there's some stuff that they can correct. I don't know. I mean, I'm not – I'd have to really, like, dive into the film. I'm not as much of an analysis guy as, like, the guys on, like, uh, Gator Nation football podcast, which I'll definitely listen to on Monday because I'm curious to hear their thoughts about this because, you know, it's definitely – it's concerning, you know, when the defense was the strength of the team – and really the defense is the reason they lost this game more so than anything, because if the defense just, I don't know, gets like maybe not more, two, two or three stops, but 
makes makes a lot more tackles. They're probably in this game, but they definitely missed a lot of tackles. I will say that one of the things that I saw as the game was going on, like into like the third, maybe the fourth quarter, they showed a stat of like third down conversions. Like I think Kentucky was like only had four third downs, like at that point and something. I was like, they, they, they have moved the ball that well on running plays on first and second down that they didn't even need to get to third down. That's how much they were kicking Florida's ass yeah. at some points. And I was like, God, I did it again. I need to stop cussing. I'm going to have to go back again. Oh, well. Um, but no, so just, just a, I don't know. This was a butt whooping in a huge regard. And I don't know. Do you have anything else before we move on? The only other thing I'll mention basically on offense is what I was worried about. When you stop the run of this offense, they you pretty much stop the offense in general. Montreal Johnson, as Trevor Etienne, as good as they are, if you contain him, there's because this offense isn't made to be big game passing when it through the air. It's just not built like that right now. So that was the only other thing, and that's exactly how Kentucky played it. And I'll give credit to Kentucky. They were clearly the better team, and they proved it. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Let's do USC first before USF. USC. God, that wins. defense. <laughs> yeah, the defense. But you know what? I will say Colorado's offense is not terrible. And, um, you know, last week Oregon held them to only uh, seven points. This week, Colorado scores 41. But, you know, USC was up by so much at that point. I mean, I think they think they were up by like 28, at, like near the end after they got up 48 20. And they so were up like, like 34 to 7 and like 41 to 14. Yeah. I at mean, one like, point. you know, they like the defense probably should have been more aggressive and they probably would have stopped them. But it was like, they were up by so much that it didn't really matter. You know, like it, it was going to be in like, you know, and they even scored that last touchdown late. So it wasn't like they scored that last touchdown with like, you know, like five, 10 minutes left in the game. They scored it with like a minute or whatever. And they did an onside kick, but like onside kicks are rarely ever recovered. So it didn't even really matter. They had the game in control. Caleb Williams looks great again, mm -hmm. six touchdowns. I mean, at this point, he he's so firmly uh, entrenched as the Heisman favorite. There would have to be – honestly, and I hope he stays healthy. It would really only be if he got injured or um, – that that's it. I don't think there's any other way at this point. If he continues this pace, he's going to, like, break – not break, but, like, destroy what he did last year and put him onto maybe Joe Burrow-esque numbers – of 2019 and so we'll see um do you have anything from this before we move on yeah the only thing like i said that defense usc clearly took the foot off the gas pedal in the second half yeah but that's still like to me that's on coaching like you've got to tell them like hey i get look at that scoreboard but when colorado was coming like it, i get it, it was like 48 to like 21 or something at one point and i get it you're going to the third but you still have to keep them in the mindset of hey you play the whole 60 minutes especially with a team that's scored as quick as colorado yeah you, you had to tell them to you know keep your head in the game and i clear that message was not you know conveyed the only other thing i'll add is that 
technically Colorado scored 21 unanswered points to end the game. You thank God they had Caleb Williams in that first half because if that happens anywhere else, you probably aren't going to win the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, and I get it. I mean, I just really think that the the way it happened was I think they took their foot off on the gas on defense and they should have been more aggressive because obviously they played well enough in that first half to, you know, um, really, uh, you know, stop them. But then it was like, it seemed like they were playing prevent defense for the most part. And because they were up so much, it was like, you know, as long as they didn't get big plays, Colorado, and like get a quick score, it was going to be a numbers game the whole time where it's like, we keep them on the field as long as we do. It's better for them, you know, like at that point, it's just a running clock. So if they're keep getting first downs, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, you're take you're wasting clock. That's more important. It's almost like in baseball where it's like, you know, you'll take a a run for an out, you know, where it's like if yeah. someone's on third, you just need to get the outs. You're going to take the run, especially if you're up, whatever, you know, it's, it, it's similar. And so I, you know, it again, wasn't pretty and it doesn't look good for them the last two weeks that they struggled on defense so much. But I think with that first half, they did have some success you know, it's tough because they have such a good offense. They're going to score quick. So it actually uh, lengthens the game because they score so quick. And so it really puts uh, the the defense in a bad position most games because then the defense is going to have to actually like, you know, delay the game and, you know, make them. And I'm not trying to defend it because obviously it looked bad, especially the numbers if you look at it. Uh, but they did enough to win and they're moving forward, especially this game had so much hype in it. You know, now it's like Colorado two losses the last couple of weeks and you'll, you won't hear anything probably the rest of the year about them because they're not going to beat Oregon and they're not going to beat Washington. And I think they play UCLA as well. So they're not going to beat them. So that's at least five losses. I mean, they'll be lucky to get a bowl game at this point with the rest of their schedule is hard to do as it is. Okay. Uh, moving on to USF Navy. Um, you know, I am really starting to enjoy this offense. It's making, uh, USF football fun again. It's, you know, I have been waiting for, you know, it's, and it's not just, you know, the offense doing well, but it's also the team looking well as mm -hmm. in, in its entirety. And, doing enough on defense to win games. You know, they were up, uh, you know, most of the second half. And then they uh, get that uh, fumble return for a touchdown to really ice it. And, you know, it's just, you know, Brown, Byron Brown is really damn good. I'm really excited for his future because he's got at least another, at least another year, probably two years. And so like to see him grow as a quarterback has been amazing. And I'm excited for his future. The receiving core is great. Adkins, uh, Simmons, Brown, all three of those guys are amazing. The running backs are studs. Uh, Naquan Wright and uh, Dukes just, just, it is a real joy to watch. I'm, you know, really proud of this team. I'm really proud of where they're going. I uh, can't wait to see what they do. You know, the rest of their schedule, man, is so easy. There are so many teams 
especially in like the next four weeks, like UConn's bad. Um, there's a bunch of other teams that are just not good that they're playing coming up that they can really start running off a bunch of wins. And, you know, I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch, but I'm just looking at the schedule where there's a lot of losses on the teams they're playing coming up. And that bodes well for them because they're already number one in the conference. So mm-hmm. it's like if they can get a huge lead in the conference when they do play those tougher games uh, that they'll have such a lead that, you know, won't be that big a deal if they lose a game or two. But either way, I'm excited. It's, you know, Alex Golish has done a phenomenal job of turning around this team and putting putting them in a place to finally win games. And it's like, I mean, Ian, I mean, I know you're on campus. Yeah. I know, and I, I actually am excited for you to get there tomorrow because I bet it's going to be like probably the like most hype you've ever seen because you've only seen bad years since you've been there. Like I know people are going to be wearing their gear. Like you'll see a lot of people wearing their shirts. I remember it because I was there during, you know, oh, like the, when I was there, you know, we had really good years before they got into the Big East. What it was like, I think the first year I was there, was the first year we were in division one and then we um you know moved up to the big east and con- uh, and they were in conference USA, USA then they yeah, went to the big USA, east yeah. and then the big east and it was like dude it was so exciting i was i honestly was there for like the majority of the good times of usf and you know it was a, such a great run to be around and i'm glad for you that you are still there that you get to see this because you know, I don't I, want some coming. I can tell you that. No, I know, dude. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating as me as just being an alumni that doesn't even is not on campus because it's depressing after those games. After you lose bad, it's like, ah, I don't even want to be here, man. It's like, yeah, it's just you, you like no one wears their gear. No one's happy to be, you know, in spirit. And then it's like when you start winning. Oh, man, it's like you were wearing your gear all over town, talking to people about it. And that's what gets the area hyped about it, you know, and we, the, you know, we like the Tampa Bay area hasn't had them uh, challenging for uh, uh, viewership in a long time, but now it's like, it seems to be turning the corner, like, you know, smoking rice, beating Navy, uh, you know, confident of the, you know, there was almost, you know, like as much as Navy went up 14, nothing in this game, USF, like, Stayed on, stayed on page, stayed with the system. Just eat like let's let's do this. Yeah, let's, but, let's be our offensive. Yeah, but go ahead, go ahead. Well, that's what I was going to say. It was the same thing about the Rice game. Is that any other like in the years past that team would have quit before, and when they went down like against Rice, they went down a few scores, and then they get down fourteen nothing, have an awful start, which I'll talk about in a sec about their starts, but. That's the one thing that they've shown is that they clearly have like a script, a schedule that they go by, and they they are confident that they can come back and win this. We mentioned earlier, this is they're forming into a second half team, which is really what the hurry up offense is meant to do. You're supposed to wear out the defense as much as possible, so then you get those big plays in the second half. Happened yeah. at Rice, happened this game, happened. You want to count Florida A and M? It happened against Florida A and M. Um, where they don't have these solid starts, but once you get into that second half, once you call that hurry up and they're tired and you know you're playing a whole game, that's where they really uh really strike. Um, the defense as well, I 
will say the at the beginning, I was a bit disappointed how the defense started. Um, I was actually pretty concerned because I knew Navy was going to try to play keep away. That's the whole kind of nucleus of their offense. So it was important to get off the field, and they didn't do a good job in the first half. But once the second half came around, same thing. They kept the ball um, and gave enough time for USF to rest. And once the offense came on the field, it just started, you know, humming. When Florida – or sorry, South Florida – um, started uh, really clicking uh, was when it was into the late into the third quarter, um, and especially with that uh, fumble recovery. That was the biggest thing too. Was they are very opportunistic. Once they get a turnover, they usually capitalize, and that's something they need with these games where it might not go their way, but they'll you know be able to get the bounces for them to score. Um, all in all, it was very good win, um, especially with how they started and coming back. They scored 21 unanswered after giving up the first 14 and just sticking with the script, sticking, uh, keeping the momentum. And again, that offense is dynamite once it's into the second half. Yeah, I mean, I I love this offense. It is, uh, you know... I don't know if it's as good as USC's offense because Caleb Williams is obviously the number one overall pick next year. But, I mean, Byron Brown, he just turned 19 on Friday. And, like, he – I don't know, man. I I'm, I don't know what to, like – I can't even project his future because, like, now, at this point, like, he's doing so well now. His, yeah. like, literally – he hasn't even played more than I think this is like his seventh game, like officially, like as a starter. And like he's already he's already like well advanced more than I've I than probably any quarterback USF has ever had. Like, and I love Quentin Flowers and I love Matt Grothy, but like I mean, he's he's more talented than both of those guys. Like, really, like I honestly I honestly feel right now, if he keeps going the the trajectory he's on, he is. I can see him being drafted in the NFL. Like maybe not high, but maybe around like a fifth or sixth round pick. And who knows what happens next year and the year after. But I mean, honestly, I he is he's killing it. And if he just keeps doing what he's doing, he's gonna get a lot of attention because he's doing. A lot of the the like, I don't know. He's just it, dude. It's it's a joy to watch. I'm excited for the future of this team. And like I said, it is the sky is the limit at this point. I just hope that they can they can keep Alex Golish because people are gonna want to go after him. And I think with the potential of what USF can become with getting the new stadium, bless you, getting um, thank you, getting. Uh, you know, all those facilities and everything. I think he realizes where this team is setting itself up to where it could be. And like, he could be, I don't know. And like the Tampa Bay area is a great place to live. I don't know why you would leave, you know? And so who knows? It, it is, it, it's a very interesting story to see what's going to happen with all this, but I'm, I'm excited. So let's move on. Okay. Um, so talking about these other games, uh, we had the Utah-Oregon State game on Friday. Oregon State wins 21-7. to 
I mean, Utah scored that late touchdown, but they were never really in this game. Their offense is so bad without Cam Rising. And it's a shame because the defense is amazing. It just – there was like – I don't know. There was nothing they could do in this game. They weren't going to be able to stop them completely. Oregon State is a really good team. And, you know – they the the defense Utah's defense did keep them in this game, but I'm just curious going forward what is going to happen with Cam Rising? Are we going to see him at all? I know that they have a bunch of big games coming up, and so it's like, are they just waiting? And obviously, they can take one loss in Pac-12 play, but if they take two losses, that's, that's a death gonna, sentence. Yeah, so it's like they really can only take this one loss. Maybe this is just what he was doing. He's like, wait, play the play this as long as we can until we get one loss, and then it's like now we play him. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what they were just waiting. They're just seeing as long as they could get away with this until they're forced to play him. And I, because he was cleared to like full practice back in September third, so that's been almost a month. I would think he's ready to go. Um, but what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, for this uh, one, it shows that Cam Rising really is the engine to this offense. Yeah. It's They couldn't really get anything on the ground, um, and especially passing. There wasn't anything there. Um, yeah. I think they got under held under 200 yards total, I believe. Yeah. Um, and with Oregon State, who hasn't doesn't have an elite, shall we say, offense, but – when it's these kind of games, it's Utah has been stuck in these situations. And, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. They have shown to be very, you know, unimpressive um, on offense. Yeah. They beat, you know, UCLA, you know, the week before, but that was only 14 to seven. They barely beat Baylor. Um, And, you know, they put 31 on Weber state. Um, They beat Florida 24 to 11, but the offense hasn't really been impressive. And, Fortunately, when you don't have an offense to score, I mean, what's the point of the defense? I mean, the defense can only hold so much. That's why I said if you're going to put the blame on anybody for Utah in this loss. It's got to be the offense. Oh yeah, dude, hundred percent. This defense is this defense is definitely one of the best in the country. I would say definitely top ten. And if they had an offense, they'd probably hold teams to like seven points. But because the uh, the offense is not doing anything, they basically have to play perfect for them to win games, which, I mean, it's tough. Like they're going to make mistakes at some point and they got bit in this game. I mean, Johnson is just not a good quarterback and it, it's, it sucks because like if they had decent quarterback play, they would have won this game. But like I said, if Cam rising comes back uh, next week, um, cause they have uh they have well, they got Cal next week, so they should easily win that game without rising. It's just the following week where it gets interesting when they have they have uh, USC uh, in LA, and then they have Oregon at home. So those two games are huge, and um, they'll basically those two games will decide who wins the Pac-12. I'm almost guaranteeing it right now. Um, so uh, let's move on to. Uh, Georgia Auburn, man, I am, yeah. dude, this is why I'm saying I'm not a believer in Georgia this year. 
and they're still obviously highly ranked because they won the championship last two years, but they survived this game. They barely oh, yeah. Auburn. You know, Auburn, honestly, man, when I was watching the replay, because I didn't watch all of it um, at live, when I watched like the highlight, the whole, the highlight package, the like 10, 12 minute highlight package, clearly Auburn was the better team for like, I'd say 70% of this game and was dominating uh, in the rushing attack. I mean, dude, Brian Batie, obviously we know who he is because he was at USF last year, last couple of years. Batie is a stud, and I I hope he gets more play with them because I want to see him uh, get drafted in the NFL. But, you know, they – it was so close. I, I – you know – you know, again, the one thing that I'm amazed with, and they did have someone cover Brock Bowers pretty tight on most of those plays, but it seemed like there was some where he was just like wide open, and I'm just like, man, like this is their best player. They I know, really like, have... you can't leave him that open. You need yeah. to double cover him at all times. Yeah, have a safety over top. Like literally, everyone else, I'm not, I'm not afraid of anyone on Georgia. Not even their quarterback. He's not a like, he's not a speedster. Like he's probably more immobile than Stetson Bennett. And like, he's got a better arm than Bennett, but he's not as mobile. But then like, if that's really your only threat is Bowers, just double team him and then make the rest of them try to beat you, which I don't think they can. Like you take Bowers for the equation. This team is like a average SEC team, not even a really good one. The defense is still solid, but they gave up a lot of yards on the ground and, you know, like I said, Auburn was definitely the better team most of this game. And Georgia lucks out here. And I, I'm i telling you, they will not luck out against Tennessee. And they will not luck out against Ole Miss. So, and Georgia Tech does not look terrible this year. So, there are three games that they have coming up. And maybe even a potential SEC championship game, which they could lose. And if they lose two games, they're not going to the playoff. I mean, this year, this year there might be a lot of one-loss teams not making the playoff. So Georgia yeah. better better tighten up, or they're gonna they're gonna eliminate themselves uh, sooner than later. But what are your thoughts before we move on? No, I agree. I think we'll talk about it at the end of it. But I don't think Georgia is the best number one in the nation anymore. Oh, um, and I've been as much as I hate them as a Gator fan, I've been saying yeah. for a while that Georgia has been the best team in the country. But this game, yes, they're undefeated. Yes, you know, they won, but it it's not impressive. I mean, you, you beat South Carolina by 10. Yeah. Then you really win by the skin of your teeth against Auburn. I agree. Auburn was the better team in this one. Um, yeah. Or at least they played better. I should probably be – that would be the better way to put it. Yeah, I do think yeah, talent for talent, I think that's what it came down to was that Georgia had Brock Bowers and the better athletes, and Auburn just doesn't have that right now, especially yeah. through the passing game. I mean, I yeah. Carson Beck did throw over 300 yards, and I think Peyton Thorne, he didn't even get like 100 yards, I think. They didn't really rely on him. He had, he had, was, he had 82. Yeah, so, there yeah. was nothing, you know, there was no counteract. There was no balance there. Yeah. Um, but that was – I kind of – Felt that going in, I was like, uh, you know, Auburn's up like, you know, 17 10, or they were up 10 nothing at the beginning. Yes. But I'm like, I, you know, they can't consistently score. So that's the problem. If they were like up by that much and still having the third of score, they would have had a shot. But again, Georgia just 
based on, you know, sheer out-athleting, wins this game, and they are going to, like, think – I guarantee you every Bulldog fan or anybody within the state of Georgia went to church today and <laughs> said, thank you, Lord, for Brock Bowers. Yeah. There was – there was only four penalties in this game. I find that, that hard brilliant. to believe. Uh, okay, moving on. Next game we had was the Baylor US. Oh no, Kansas Texas game. Texas wins this pretty handedly. Texas wins forty to fourteen. Uh, Jalen Daniels was not even in the game. He hurt his back, and I was. I didn't even know that when I did. We did the the preview show, so I'm kind of miffed that that was the case but you know what kansas was playing them tough in the first half but then just texas ran out and like honestly man the more and more the deeper we're getting into this year caleb williams is setting himself aside as the number one for heisman but quinn ewers is jumping up in those rankings man like he's starting to really set himself apart from the rest of the other people besides Michael Penix Jr. So it's like, yeah, it's really like three guys that I'm and, and Bo Nix too, but it's like those four guys that I'm really like, man, but you know who actually, and I'm as a side from, from this specific game, but uh, Dylan Gabriel is putting up yeah. huge numbers. And I think just because they haven't played anyone yet, they haven't played like a ranked team. That's what I think a lot of people are like not giving them as much love. I think they have some games coming up next week, obviously against Texas, but no, this Texas team looks good. Freaking um, what's his face. Uh, uh, Brooks, the running back just, just destroyed Kansas all day. He had 217 on the ground, two TDs. Just mm-hmm. I, this team is really good. If you, are not aware of how good Texas is this year. I think we can finally say, I know we've joked for many years, I've used the uh, the Sam Ellinger, uh, the, the little video. Yeah, we're back. back. They're officially back. I can say it and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to eat crow about it because I, I have no doubt in my mind they're probably going to beat Oklahoma this week and they're going to continue to roll in the Big 12 and it's, they're definitely a potential playoff team right now, and I think they're solidly entrenched in that spot. So what's your thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I, I'll make it brief because Texas, you know, as much as we like Kansas and Kansas being, you know, actually good, yeah. Texas was clearly the better team, and they they clearly showed it. I mean, they had – I think it was over, like, 400 more yards than Kansas had. Um, yeah. The better team won, and they really showed why they were the better team. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Baylor UCF, just an improbable <laughs> win. Improbable. I, I, when I saw the score in the first half, I was like, oh, I'm not even going to watch this game. And then for some reason, because I don't think I even saw the score anywhere else on whatever games I was watching. And I was like, you know what? Let me just, let me put it on, see what the score is. And they were like close and close. And they finally took the lead. And I was just like, what is going on here? And like, Oh man, just craziness. I it couldn't happen to a more terrible fan base. So, you know what, UCF, you deserve it. You are insufferable. No one likes you. And uh this is what you get for being such jerks 
on Twitter all the time. So, you know, eat it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> what do you got, Ian? I, it's one thing because everybody's like, it is the largest comeback by Baylor in their program history, da, da, da. I don't understand how going into the fourth quarter, you were up 35 to 10 and you still lose the game. I don't know how that happens. Because even then, like, okay, UCF just – I don't know what happened on offense. They just couldn't get a sustained drive like they did in the beginning of the game. The You know, the Russian attack, either – it was either Tommy McClain or Richardson, get yards. Stop going through the big play. Just we need first downs. Kill that clock. We kick yeah. a field goal. That really makes it even harder because at that point, I mean – amazingly that goes from a four possession game to a five possession game. Can't believe you had to talk about that. Yeah. But they kick if you see the season kick one field goal in the second half. And it's and that's it. They they would have won the game. But somehow, some way, some poor fashion, they just fell apart spectacularly in that fourth quarter. And I okay. It's one thing if it happened like they were playing Oklahoma or you know Texas or some, you know, one of the, I, even like TCU or K-State, one of these good Pac-12 teams. Baylor has shown they are not elite this year. You yeah, know, they, they, were, they were one and three at that point. They lost to Texas yeah. State. Like, they were they were not – they shouldn't have won this game. They clearly no. shouldn't have won this game. And now, the funny thing is, now uh, UCF is two games into the Big 12, and they're 0-2. Oh, and two. oh they still haven't won one, yeah. Yeah, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But let's move on. Um, LSU Ole Miss. This was by far the most fun game of the day. Back and forth the entire time. It was 31-28 at halftime. Uh, the final score was 55-49. to It was like over 1,300 yards of offense between the two teams. Just like they both, they both almost threw for over 400 yards. Uh, both had four TDs. Quinchon Junkins at 177 yards on the ground. Just, I mean, it ridiculous. Just, it was such a crazy game. And you knew it was going to be whoever had the ball last was going to win. And I would have thought that uh, LSU was going was gonna to finish that drive, but just barely. I don't know if you saw the highlight. Yeah. It goes off that guy's hands. Like he literally, it bounced off his hands. He could have caught that at the end to win, and they just barely lose. It just, what a crazy game! Just a great game. Yeah, and at least my take from it was this. You know, we were, we were talking like LSU. They usually have these hot starts, and then they peter out. Yeah, this was the opposite. They did not like. They did not have a good start to the game. I know they went down like no. twenty-one to seven in the beginning, and then you're working uphill the whole game. Yeah, because so they were that, down. I, they were down twenty-eight fourteen at one point, and I thought Ole Miss, Ole Miss was going to blow them out. And then LSU started coming back, and LSU went up like, uh, like nine points at one point, and just Ole Miss had to come back. So it was such a like back and forth game, uh, but such a great game. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, it 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 just my point to that was it is just a world of different when you have had to come back from multiple possessions to tie the game or take the lead from the game. Yeah, 
than it is for the other team to be like, okay, we're down, but we can easily just score once instead of the other side where it's like, oh, we had to score three times and now we got to do it again. It's exhausting. And that's really what it was. Like towards the end, there was only so much LSU could have done, but you could tell they were just exhausted. They tried everything, but Ole Miss just had the upper hand. The only other thing I'll add too is that as good and exciting this game was, was my God, they need to take a long look in the mirror on their defense. Yeah. Hundred percent. Okay, uh, moving on. Iowa State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma wins fifty to twenty, and this game was closer in like the first half, but then Oklahoma just really started to take it to them once it was like a twenty-one twenty game, and then you know Iowa State didn't score a single point after that. Um, but um, like I said, Dylan Gabriel is quietly becoming. Uh, someone to talk about because he had 366 yards and three TDs. So, you know, this team has not played anyone. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. Will they start making noise? Obviously next week is a prove it game for both Oklahoma and Texas, even though Texas already has a solid win against Kansas and Alabama, especially Alabama, considering how strong Alabama's looked the last two weeks. Um, but interesting game coming up, Texas, Oklahoma, but anything from this you want to talk about? I mean, I would say that second quarter was the turning point, especially that safety once Kansas or sorry, um, Oklahoma got that safety. Um, you know, they scored the field goal in the possession, you know, stop Iowa state. And then they, you know, score again, that's at least like a 10 point swing right there. And then, you know, they were off to the race at that point. Okay, uh, the probably the game of the day, uh, Notre Dame, Duke, just a, you know, it was a low-scoring game, and there was a ton of missed field goals in it. But I will say Sam uh, Hartman just did what he needed to do on that fourth down, and there's nobody open, and he's just, like, faking And there's nobody covering Hartman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he just takes off, and boom, man, he – he honestly, that was such a huge play because if he doesn't make it, the, the game's That's over. The game. But but he, you know, got it and you know, and then um uh Estime, you know, does his thing and puts it in. I, it's funny, if he goes down before he scores that touchdown, they can probably bleed out the clock and then kick the field goal as time expires. So it is one of those things where it's like maybe you don't give him a chance. And it was a similar thing with the Ole Miss LSU game. It's like yeah. if you get to a situation where it's like you can score, you should probably go down so that you can run out the clock. Because I would rather – I know you don't want to trust college kickers because they're very incon- inconsistent, but I don't know. T- yeah, it, it is. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough decision. But Notre Dame gets the win. They continue on. They have a chance at the playoff. They play Clemson coming up very soon. And they also play uh, USC as well in, what is it, two weeks. But they have Louisville next week. So a lot of tough games for them in the next month and a half. Um, You know, a lot to play for Notre Dame. I'm telling you, man, this is a very good team. I don't ever blow smoke up Notre Dame's ass because I'm usually the first one to say I'm not impressed. This is completely counter counterintuitive to who I have been as 
a you know college football uh, fan, college football, you know, in the media as what we do. And so this team is much better than the the teams in the years past. And with Sam Hartman, he's a legitimate quarterback. He is can make the throws. He is definitely going to play on Sundays, and he gives them a fighting chance every week. This game was very close. Duke took the lead late, and he came back and uh, put them on top, and they won. But what do you got, Ian, before we move on? Yeah, it was – well, first of all, I'm going to get – I'm going to get really upset with Duke's defense. It's fourth <laughs> and 18 or however it was. Yeah. I don't care if you're playing prevent. You yeah. have to have coverage on all parts of the field. And clearly they just followed the receivers and they didn't look at Hartman's eyes. Right. And that ended up biting them in the ass. Then, you know, SMA obviously scores a touchdown after. But Notre Dame found a way to win. I mean, really, I, I was kind of the opposite opinion. I was like, I don't know if any of these teams deserve the win because they did not play good at all. Yeah. Um, but – Notre Dame, I would say, yeah, they were the better team and they made the most of what was given to them. I just, that fourth down, I was like, how do you let that happen? Um, so I, th- that was the thing I would say. Duke deserved to lose after that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next game was the Alabama uh, Mississippi State game. Alabama wins. I'm uh, trying to pull up the score here. Un segundo. Alabama wins. I just had it. Where'd it go? Oh, 40 to 17. I mean, it was back and forth for a little bit in this game, but Alabama just imposed their will and their defense looks really good. Like as much as the offense may not look as uh, lethal as it has been in years past with, you know, uh, Bryce Young or Jalen Hurts or Tua or Mac Jones. Um, the defense definitely is kind of correcting course from the last couple of years because LSU allowed Ole Miss to score 55 the week before Alabama kept them to 10 points. So definitely this defense is something to be, all right, this might be one of those years where it's like Alabama only really needs to just hold teams to like 17 points and they can, uh, they can start winning these games. So as much as they lost to Texas, they have not lost an SEC game, and they definitely stand um, head and shoulders above the rest of the West right now. Uh, they have some big games coming up with um, – they've got Texas A&M next week, and we'll talk about that. But they also have Tennessee, LSU, and Kentucky in consecutive weeks, and Auburn to, to finish it off. But – this Alabama team is good. Do not, do not think that this team is not worthy of, of praise because this team is definitely worthy. But what do you got, Ian? Yeah, again, just the better team winning, especially the, the better defense winning, um, forcing the three turnovers and you know making Will Rogers life a living hell. That was really the difference. Offensively, nothing spectacular, but it didn't have to be. You're, you're you hit the nail right on the head. As one is. The defense can just hold these teams to less than 20 points. I have faith that Bama's offense should get 20 points more often than not. Oh, yeah, 100%. And not only that, like defensive scores, too, which they've always done that consistently, either getting defensive scores or special team scores. So that right there 
it will be the difference in a lot of their games going forward. Okay, um, let's move on to South Carolina, Tennessee. You know, this game was a lot closer at some points, but then Tennessee really started to outpace them. And, uh, you know, because Milton had two interceptions, but it was like in the run game, South Carolina just could not stop their, their running backs. Jalen Wright had over 100 yards. And I just, I don't know. This this South Carolina defense is very suspect and I'm not a really big fan of. And, it, you know, and like I said, with Florida, it's like, you know, we've talked about it. These other teams are not very good. Like, yes, Kentucky whooped their ass, but they don't have to play. God, I did it again. They're whipped their butts. But, um, you know, besides that, you know, they don't have to um, – uh, they don't have to play Kentucky again. They have to play these other teams that don't look that good, which I think they've got a chance. But back to the South Carolina, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee, you know, gets off that loss to Florida and now they've scored 40 points in two straight games. So maybe they've got things corrected and they still have a lot to play for because they only have one loss. And as of right now, their schedule looks like they've got uh, Alabama, an AM in a row, right in a row, and Kentucky. So they have a three three game stretch that's really tough. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Tennessee. What, what do you got, Ian? Yeah, it was, you could tell they were kind of, Tennessee hasn't done the best job of starting games in that proved opponent here. And that they've really got to correct that. They didn't start well against Virginia. They definitely didn't start well against Florida. And they, didn't have the best start against South Carolina. Those first quarters and early second quarters, they have really struggled and they need to fix that quick to win more of these games. But overall, this says more about like, you know, just again, Tennessee was just flat out the better team. They had the better stops. They could South Carolina's defense. They preyed on the weakness of the rushing defense and attacked on it. They knew Milton probably wasn't having his best game. So he either used his legs or used the legs of the running backs to, you know, get down the field and just make the, you know, easy conversions and put in those high percentage uh, third down plays. Okay. Uh, last game before we're done, Washington, Arizona, you know, Michael Penix Jr. Does not have a touchdown in this game, but he threw for 363, which is really good anyways. And he was 30 of 40, which is 75%. So he's continuing to dominate teams. Um, it was a two-score game into the fourth, and then Arizona scores late, so it looked closer than it actually was. Again, very similar to the USC-Colorado game. But, you know, Washington was in control of this game throughout. They had a, a good running attack um, on the ground to be able to get a lot of those touchdowns and uh, played – well enough defensively um, to win this game. And they win and they move on. That's all that really matters. Moving on to these bigger games coming up for them, which they're coming up, you know, next week is, well, two weeks for them is Oregon. And then um, in November, they have a murderer's row. Listen to their November real quick. They have USC on the road, then at home against Utah, then on the road, in uh, at Oregon State in Corvallis, then at home against Washington State. I mean, you're talking about like they they literally they I think they're the only team out of the good Pac-12 teams that has to play everyone. Like they literally they have to play Oregon, USC, yeah. 
Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State. Like they got they got shafted out of their schedule makers. But we'll see. I mean, they're going to be tested, and I'm excited to see because Michael Penix Jr. is a fully capable quarterback. And like I said, Caleb is definitely one A right now, but Michael Penix Jr. is not far from being one B. So um, going forward, Heisman wise, Michael Penix is right there with another huge game. Just didn't have any touchdowns, which kind of hurts. But uh, what do you got before we go, Ian? Yeah, it was – Washington found a way to win this game. Um, they definitely – the passing game was more efficient than the run game. That's usually why I think the score was a bit closer. It got a bit daunting at times is that there wasn't a rushing compliment to help Penix kind of get more freedom airing it out. But I still think, you know, Washington played a good game. Clearly, we're the better team and proved it. Um, now they got to get ready for a huge game against rival Oregon next week. Yeah, I do. I'm I'm so excited for that game. Like, well, it's not next week. It's two weeks. Oh, two weeks. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, but still. Their like, next game, I meant. Yeah, their next game. But, dude, Oregon-Washington, that may be that may be the best game of the year. Like, there might it might be like 50 to like 50, like 55 to 50 or something like that. But yeah. exciting. Do you want to do Heisman's now? Real quick before we go and play off two. I mean, I've got three. I've got my three. Who do you got? Um, uh, Michael Penix Jr., Caleb Williams, and after this last week, Brock Bowers. You keep putting that up. There, I, I know. I he's I the know. best non-skill. I shouldn't say non-skill, but like he's not a wide receiver. He's, he's the best tight end in the country. Yeah, I like tight ends. Yeah, uh, I Michael Penix and Caleb. I. There, there's really no two better. And I'm I'm really starting to put Quinn up there because Quinn Ewers has definitely been playing against good opponents. So and he's been performing in those games. So all three of those guys are studs. And Bo Nix, you know, we'll see in the next couple of weeks because they didn't play this week. But um, you know, Bo Nix is up there. He's putting up huge numbers. Um, okay, uh playoff teams real quick before we go. Last thing. Yeah, so my playoff teams, and I did make a, I did make a change after uh, this week. So, yeah, number one, Texas. Nice. Number two, Ohio State. Yeah. Number three, Georgia. Yep. Number four, Michigan. And my first two out, USC and uh, Florida State. See, I as of right now, I have USC. I think I have USC probably three. I have Texas one, and. I probably have Washington like four and then I'll probably have like Oregon at five FSU probably at six and then probably Georgia at, at two. Um, I don't know where I put Ohio state right now. I think I'm going to see, I'm going to need to see more from them. You know, their schedule will get more dicier when they have to play Penn state. And um, I guess that's really it. Penn state and Michigan, but um, I need to see more from Ohio State before I decide that they are a playoff team. But that that is the show, everybody. Um, reach us again at haterradio.com. Um, all the socials, like I said, at hater underscore radio or at hater radio for YouTube and hater radio CFB for um, Facebook. But for Ian, for myself, take care, everyone. Have a good weekend. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday.